have something that will encourage you today. We're in a series called Rhythm. And last week, Elise Murphy honestly preached one of the greatest messages I've ever, I'm not kidding, greatest message I've ever heard in my life, Rhythm of Grace. If you weren't here, please watch it. And she's such a powerful communicator. I'm so glad she preached the best message ever because the time before that, it was the worst. No, I was just playing. I'm just kidding. It's my sister. I'm just kidding. No, it was great. The rhythm of grace and what I loved about the message was she was talking about how in our own life and in our lives, sometimes God uh, tells us to take a rest and we get back up trying to execute and make things happen when God says to take a rest. And um, I encourage everybody, she was preaching from Matthew 11 and I've been encouraging everybody every single week that no matter what verse you hear today on a Sunday, make it a habit, I'll say this every Sunday, maybe forever, to go home and read that exact passage of scripture, but the whole chapter, and see what else God would speak to you. Make that a habit. If somebody says Philippians 2, go home and read Philippians 2 for yourself and, and see what God would say to you because you're hearing what God said to Elise, but go home and read it for yourself. Maybe God might tell you something um, extra or might tell you something that's specifically for you in this season. So she was preaching from Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, and I did what I said. I practiced what I preached, and I read Matthew 11. I found something in it I believe God wants me to share with you. But last week she read from Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, and she was reading from the message, and I'm reading from the NIV, um, but, but she literally was talking about, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking. Not just come to church, that's great. Not just come to a Bible study, that's awesome. Not just come to Girl Track, incredible, but come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And it's a shame, but you can come to church and not come to Jesus. It's possible. I wish it were impossible, but it's very possible. It happens all the time. But he says, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. What I love about Jesus is he starts to list the qualifications for coming to him. He doesn't say, come to me, all who've graduated from Bible college. Come to me, all who know the book of Deuteronomy by heart. Come to me, all who have been to church 18 million times in a row. No, he says the only qualification that you need to come to God is to be tired, to be exhausted, to be burned out on religion. Come on, anybody feel burned out before? Just all you got to do is be exhausted, and it says you are perfect. See, some people complain that you are spiritually dry, and you think there's something wrong with you because you're spiritually dry in this season. No, God says, come to me. I'll set you on fire again. Matter of fact, if you were to go into the wilderness and start a fire, look for the driest stick because it's the easiest to catch on fire. So God's saying, hey, you don't need to worry about feeling spiritually dry or whether you're getting 18 prophecies in five minutes when you read the Bible. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. So there's a rest you can take, and there's a rest that you have to be given. This is not a nap, although I love naps. I can fall asleep anywhere. I have the spiritual gift of napping. I could lay here right now and be asleep. But it doesn't say that you, can, you need to get some rest. Sometimes we tell people who look exhausted because they're burning themselves out trying to please God and please people, and then we say things like, you need to get some rest. No, you don't get some rest. You are given rest when you come to Jesus. You see the difference? He says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. And then in the version Elise preached from, it had a beautiful phrase, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Get back into the rhythm of grace. Stop trying to work so hard to earn God's affection and earn God's love. You already have that. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And then it says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. So Jesus says, I want to give you a yoke. Now back then they always spoke in agricultural terms. So you might not know what a yoke is, but a yoke is a wooden contraption that holds two oxen. Typically, they would put the older, experienced ox in one side of the yoke and the younger, fiery ox that didn't know what he was doing, but he was young and he had strength in the other side of the yoke. And then they would plow the field together. And there'd be a part of the field where only the experienced ox knew what to do. Young people, don't try to do it by yourself. 
You need somebody with some experience because God's getting ready to take you to the field of marriage, to the field of business, to the field of leading a church, and you need some people speaking in your ear that know, that have been there before. So in this part of the field, the experienced ox would take over and the young ox would just follow the experienced ox. Then there'd be the part of the field where experience didn't matter. You needed energy and you needed strength. Come on, old people. You ain't got a 15-hour work day in you anymore. So you got to keep somebody young and dumb next to you but on fire and got a lot of energy that's willing to submit to your... You get what I'm saying? And you work together because sometimes the part of the field shifts and we need experience and then we need youth and then we need experience. This is why we're not a millennial church. This is why we're not an old people church. We're a multi-generational. The move of God is a multi-generational thing. If you are 30, get somebody 60 in your life speaking over you, praying for you, right? You know them old folks know how to pray. They say two words and you just fall out. Young people, we got a spirit of rambling. We think the more words we pray, the better. God, I pronounce blessing over you in the name of Jesus and no weapon formed against you will prosper. It may form, but it won't prosper in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, God's gonna bless you and he's gonna move. And your grandma be like, Lord, and you just be like. <laughs> so you, she just say, Lord, and you just pass out in the presence. Don't even pray. You got to have those people working together. It says they work together in, in the yoke to accomplish things. And he says, you take my yoke upon you, and, and, and it's not heavy. See, if you're doing something for God, it shouldn't feel heavy. It is heavy, but it doesn't feel heavy. And I want to challenge you that if it is heavy, but it also feels heavy, you might have gotten out from underneath the yoke with Jesus because Jesus is the one that is supposed to be in the yoke with you. Do you get what I'm saying? And so when you get outside of the yoke with Jesus, because that's what we do. We take a prophecy, then we pursue it. Somebody says, you're going to get married, then we, go, we start looking around. Who? 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 Like an owl. No, no, no. No. It's not who. It's wait. It's wait. You know the Bible talks about seed time and harvest? It should separate the word seed and time. Because you're like, okay, seed time, harvest, here it comes. No, it's seed and then time and then harvest. Do you see what I'm saying? And so Jesus wants to get in this thing with you. And if you're exhausted, then you might have gotten outside of partnership with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So Elise was talking about this, and she talked about the rhythm of grace, and we got to get back in the rhythm of grace. But then as I read Matthew 11, I want to read you this passage of Scripture where it says this. In Matthew 11, verses 16 and 17, Jesus says this. To what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. I want to preach a message called the rhythm of now. Father, I thank you so much. Everybody here in this place or watching online, Lord, they want to hear from you. And God, although I'm not a perfect person or a perfect preacher, you are perfect and your word is perfect and holy. So you can always use an imperfect person to preach a perfect and holy word. And I believe and trust you to do that through me this afternoon in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Are you, are you tired? Um, Jesus says you can come to him. The, the, the rhythm of now is something that I believe God has been speaking to me. How do we have faith for now? I remember back in the day, um, one of our worship leaders and pastors, Amy Luna, shout out to Amy Luna. She sent me a, a song from Hillsong and said, this worship song is fire. So she sends me the worship song. And then I like, I can't wait to listen. And within 30 seconds, she is texting me a link. Text it to me. And now I have the Spotify link of the song. And within one minute of coming to the realization that the song existed, I'm listening to the song. One minute. It wasn't always that way. 
Just a few years ago, 10 years or so ago, 15 years ago, the iPod came out. Remember the iPod? When the iPod came out, I thought Jesus was coming back because I could put a thousand songs just on the iPod and listen to it. Now you have songs on your phone. You don't even need a separate MP3. But I could remember the iPod, you load all these songs. It was amazing. I remember when CDs came out? Woo! Went to the next level. Now you don't even want anything to do with a CD. But back in the day, we don't realize how bad CDs were. Remember you drive your car and you have that big old CD book with 2,000 CDs in it? And you looking for Mary J. Blige and you got the CD book all on your lap about to crash, licking your finger, turning through it, looking for Mary J. Blige or looking for Journey, can't find it because somebody moved Journey out of the J's and you don't know where it is. So now you cussing about your girl. That's why I don't let you listen to my CD book. And so you can't find Journey, so you just start singing it. Don't stop believing. And you just like, flipping through the CDs. Remember that CD book? I'm going to take you way back. You got to be grateful for the CD book because if you're under 30, I want to tell you something about something called cassette tapes. What you know about cassette tapes? You couldn't flip through nothing. If you wanted to have a song and you was broke like me, you had to turn on the radio, put on the cassette tape, and wait for your song to come on, then hit record. You'd have to sit in front of the radio for 10 hours to get four and a half songs. Remember that? I remember it like it was yesterday, 1990. It was a Wednesday, June 10th. And I put the blank cassette tape in the cassette tape deck and I'm waiting for my favorite song, Poison by BBD. I remember it like it was yesterday. Dun, 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 dun. This is back in the day where you could smile while you dance. You didn't have to look so hard or try to be sexy. You could just put on your favorite song and just be like. Remember that? Remember that? You won't see somebody smiling in a music video. Too busy trying to look sexy, or too busy trying to be hard, but not BBD poison. It just come on and the whole place was singing, girl, I must. That's a prophecy. This brother's about to ask you on a date. You know, it's, it's a prophecy. I remember that song. Situation is, woo! sitting in front of that radio waiting for that song to come on and you'd wait and you wait. I'm from San Bernardino, so the radio station was 99.1. And you'd wait and you'd wait and you'd wait and they wouldn't put the song on. And so how many of us know that you'd get so frustrated waiting an hour and a half for them to play Poison that you would change the station looking to see if another station was playing Poison? So you got impatient and you didn't want to wait for them to play the song, so you changed the station and then in between that station and the next station, all you heard was static and you couldn't hear because you changed the station because you were impatient. I'm already preaching, by the way. And so you move it over and you're, you're frustrated by the static that you caused from switching the dial and then you get to the new station and they're playing something else. And it's not that it's a bad song, it's just not the song you want. And so you're sitting there listening to that station and they don't play it either. So what do you do? You go back to the station that you started with and nine times out of 10, poison's on but it's halfway through. And you're like, oh my God, that ever happened to you? And what do you do? You hit record, even though the song's on. <laughs> it's driving me, and you're like, oh! And you listen to the tape for the rest of your days, and you only got half the song because you switched the station, and then you try to go back so you can listen to half the song. And I've been sitting here to tell you some people in this season are getting half of what God has for them because they keep changing the station when God doesn't do what he wants them to do. And you're gonna get half the blessing, half the calling, because in your frustration, you don't wanna wait. See, we were at the mercy of the DJ to play the song. 
And because we were at the mercy of the DJ, we got impatient. He didn't tell us when he was gonna play it or it would have been easier to wait. We just had to wait. And with every single song he played that wasn't the song that we wanted, we felt like the DJ was telling us, no. He played Lionel Richie once, twice, three times a lady. I don't even know what that means. I don't want that song, three times a lady. What does that even mean? Right? We play Stevie. I just called to say I love you. When's the last time you got a call like that? From your boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or your husband. Right? Great song, but not the song I want. So I get frustrated even though there's great songs playing, but it's not the song that I want. I want to tell you this about God, to use it metaphorically, God is always playing great songs. It just might not be the song that you want. Don't switch the station. You know, they used to say all the time before they go to commercial break, they say, don't touch that dial. And I know I'm going old school, but God wants me to tell you, don't touch that dial because he's not playing the song you want him to play. Don't, don't change the station. Keep listening. Keep waiting. Every time they would play the song that I didn't want them to play, it felt like I was being told no. And then all of a sudden you play the song and no would switch to now. This is how we get back in the rhythm of now. You know, if there was a, a book about my life, I believe I'm gonna write a book about my life one day, and I already got the title. It's called No, 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 exclamation mark, No, 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 Now. That's the title of my book. No, 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 now. Because God is changing in this season and he's moving from no to now. And I wanna encourage you that you cannot handle now if you cannot handle no. The beginning of preparation for a now from God is your capacity to handle no. See, no is in the word now. And some of us just want God to add the W, but we can't handle the N-O. No and now are the same thing. It's just there's a W on the end of it, and we need to be able to hear God tell us no. Hey, God, can I date that person? No. <laughs> you know, oftentimes I hear so much, I'm just, I know, I hope you're attracted to your husband or your wife, but I just, you guys... I mean, they're amazing, they hear from God, they pray, they serve, they got a great job, they love kids. I'm just not attracted to them. Well, what are you attracted to? <laughs> I mean, I get it. What are you attracted to? See, so many of us are dating someone that is not dancing with God, out of rhythm with God because we're looking forward to dancing with them. They haven't danced with God in 15 years, but when it comes to you, they're just salsa, all kind of stuff, right? No, and God's saying no because you said yes to him and missed your now because you didn't hear the no from God, so you're not gonna hear the now from God. No, 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 now. This is my entire life. Where God just kept saying, nope, not doing that. And then all of a sudden, now. And if we're going to be prepared for when God says now, we need to increase our capacity to be able to hear him say no. Is this encouraging somebody? This is huge. I'm not, this is not just a word of encouragement. This is a, a prophecy. We got to say no to some stuff. We got to say no. To some stuff and, and here's what happens you know when God isn't doing what we want him to do we want God to dance to our song we don't want to hear what God's saying and playing we want God to do what we want him to do and so we try to change the song and make God catch our beat and catch our rhythm keep up with me Lord I'm moving no 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 you need to be tuned in to what God is saying Job did the same thing with God. And now Job, I give him credit. I mean, geez, what he went through was crazy. I get it, 
but he would tell God, like, are you serious? I've served. I've given. I've tithed. I trusted you. I went to growth track. I did this. I did that. How could you allow this to happen to me? And God said, no, 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 no. Don't try to change the song. Don't, don't try to change your theology to fit your desires. No, 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 don't do that. He says to Job in Job 40, says the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You're God's critic. But do you have the answers? So you want to criticize God? Huh? Do you have the answers? And Job replied to that real quick. I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I'll cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say. But then it says the Lord challenges Job again. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Brace yourself like a man. Because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me? My word is outdated. That's for back then. Just to prove you're right. Are you strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, Bruce Almighty, put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. You want to be God? Go ahead. Shut Job down real quick because Job was trying to change the song and get God to dance to the song that Job always wanted God to play. So he stepped in and he tried to be God. And that's what we do sometimes. We try to be God in our own life or we try to be God in the lives of others. Or we try to be God for them. And I hope you have someone in your life that you allow to call you out on your sin. Please invite accountability into your life. But if you don't know somebody, you're not, God doesn't need you to be God to them. And tell them and criticize them so many people criticize church and criticize people. God doesn't need you to be God to them. Sometimes the biggest thing he needs you to do is just get out of the way so he can talk to him. You know, the Bible says, and there's places for prophets in the Bible, but the Bible says that as a church, we're a royal priesthood. Now, God does raise up prophets. If you don't know what a prophet is, it's someone who speaks on behalf of God. God does do that for his church. He does raise up prophets. But together as a church, we're not a royal prophethood. The Bible says we're a royal priesthood. What is the difference? A prophet represents God to the people. A priest represents the people to God. So when the church accidentally and mistakenly became a royal prophethood, they'll take a bunch of people who are not living right, they're not living right, and they'll find out what God wants to say, and they'll say, don't do this, don't do that, God said. The Bible says. Instead of seeing somebody who's crazy on a journey, you ever ask somebody, How, how's so-and-so? They're on a journey. They're on a journey. There's judgment in that. You know what you should say? We're all on a journey. He's on one too, just like me. But what happens is you start representing God to people and you got to be able to see someone who's living the exact opposite of the way God wants them to live. And instead of trying to represent God to them, sometimes you got to represent God to the people. Represent the people to God and say, hey, are you tripping? Okay, Lord, I need you to bless them anyway. Lord, would you guide them and take care of them anyway? I know they, they did this, they did that, but Lord, would you bless them? There's so many accounts of this in the Bible. So we, we try to change the song to get, to get God to, to do what we want him to do, or we try to change the song and we try to be God. The other thing Matthew 11 said that they did is that we changed the song to get the approval of people. Matthew 11:16 says, what did they do? He says, what can I compare this generation? They're like children playing in the courtyard, the public square, and they complain to their friends. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. So they're sitting here and they're changing the song to get approval. It was a party in one moment and a funeral in the next because they're like, you're not responding to the wedding song, so let me play a funeral song to get a reaction out of you. Some of us, we have to act broken because that's the only way our parents 
or our significant other will pay any attention. So don't change the song. If it's called to be a wedding song, let it be a wedding song. If it's called to be a funeral song, but we go from a wedding or a funeral trying to get the, get the approval of other people. Jesus says this generation keeps changing the song. And they're not prepared for what God wants to do right now. This is the hard part about this, is being ready for what God is doing now. We, we, we look in the past and we're so hurt from our past. We're so anxious about the future. Some of you started a business, a company, a career. I don't know. And you're like, man, I'm so anxious about what God is doing over there. I'm missing the moment I'm in. So worried about your purpose. Hey, can I tell you that thing that you've been worried about? What God said he was going to do it. And you're so focused on your future, you're missing the moment you're in now. And your purpose is made up of a multitude of nows. It's not rocket science. How do you get to your future? Now, 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 now. Then you're in your future. And so when we miss these moments, do you know that I, here's the crazy thing about being a, a, a pastor and, and being in the position I'm in right now, is I am so acutely aware how a now can destroy everything. The wrong choice in a now destroys everything. Don't matter if I've been listening to the same station and locking into God, the wrong choice in a now can destroy everything God's given me and my family. And so I'm learning to be aware of the now, what God's doing now. And we gotta get back into this rhythm of now. Here's the crazy thing about it is that one of the reasons why it's hard and we get out of rhythm with the now is because as believers, we become so sensual, meaning that we only hear God through our senses. We only hear God through our feelings. We, we pay so much attention to our feelings, we're heightening our sensuality. I need to feel like you love me, not just know it. I need to feel like you care, not just know it. I need to feel like God is with me, not just know it. And we're making God only speak to us through our senses. And I'm so grateful that we have the signs or the lights or five people leading worship, a full band. I'm up here wild and crazy and preaching, but none of this goes home with you on Monday. You're not gonna have a worship team in your room. You're not gonna have a preacher in your room. Nobody's gonna be twirling signs saying you're welcome here. So you're gonna have to learn to set aside your senses and get on your face and commune and be with Jesus. And we, we have to learn to not only hear from God through our sensuality. We have to learn to hear from God through sensitivity. And sensuality is increased with stimulation. Some of you work so hard because your mind just has to be stimulated all the time. Sensuality is increased with stimulation. And sensuality is not a bad thing. I'm glad we do all these things as a church. It just gets in the way if God is asking you to be sensitive to what his spirit is saying. And God has been telling me that we need to move in this season from senses to sensitivity. And sensuality is increased with stimulation, lights, great messages, skipping really great Bible teachers because they're not young. Only listening to your favorite hot shot preacher instead of someone who's been doing this for 50 years that might get on the platform a little slow, but they don't cater to your senses, so you skip that YouTube. And they're going to say something that helps you be sensitive to what the Spirit is saying to you so you can get what God has for you. So sensuality is increased with stimulation, but sensitivity is increased with stillness and patience. Do you know that if we cut off the lights and we didn't have the signs and I wasn't preaching, and nobody was up here hooping and hollering that some people wouldn't come. It would be a much smaller church when some of the most powerful things that you could ever hear from God are in stillness. Not when Pastor Julian is preaching a great word, but when the Spirit of the Lord is preaching to you in stillness. 
I, I want you to close your eyes right now and be still before the Lord. And watch what he speaks to you and how he encourages you. some of us that's the quietest we've been all week that's the most still we've ever been all week and God wants to speak to you and encourage you and some of you heard I got you I know this is hard I know this is scary but I'm with you it's me some of you heard that it's not you you're not confused this is God some of you heard just that he loves you some of you didn't hear anything you were just overwhelmed with peace for this next season, but I want to tell you that sensitivity is increased in stillness and patience. And you got to get away with God sometimes and not just pray, and I'm, I'm all about intercession, but sometimes you just got to be still and quiet your soul before the Lord and allow Him to speak to you. And if He doesn't say anything, don't get up. Just sometimes you can get something just by being with Him. Just by being with Him. If we're going to be ready for the rhythm of now, we got to increase our sensitivity and stop being so stimulated all the time by good news and, and lights, camera, action, all that stuff is amazing. But God's trying to increase your sensitivity. Why? Because he's getting ready to stop screaming. And you're only going to be able to know what God's saying if you can pick up the whisper of the Spirit while the enemy is screaming that your ship is going down, God's going to whisper now. Do you hear what I'm saying? Chaos, drama, kids going crazy. Come on, parents. My son told me last night, Dad, I'm marrying two girls from my school. And I said, son, you can't, that's not good. Daddy only has one wife. He said, but you got more seats in your car. I said, true, but I don't fill those seats with wives. He said, oh, and that was it. And you know, sometimes I would withdraw from my family I would draw for my kids. I'm preaching this weekend. Christina would take the kids to the park. There was a movie night at their school. And typically, I wouldn't go. So then God, I can go somewhere in my prayer closet and God can scream at me. So I can get a word for the weekend. But now I've learned that if I go and I get up and I go to the movies with my family, that right in between the walk from the car to the movie, I was so sensitive to the spirit. He gave me this word when I wasn't in my prayer closet because he's increasing my sensitivity. I don't need to go and spend three hours with worship music blasting and all the sensuous. That's great. Here in my heart, I do do that. But there are times where I need to be my family. And so I'm saying, God, on the way of me walking my kid to the bathroom, would I be so sensitive that in the walk taking my kid to the bathroom, you would speak to me. And God, you don't have to yell. I'm sensitive enough for you to whisper. My kids are going crazy. Everything's going on. And I say, what is that, Lord? I can hear the whisper when the enemy's screaming, when the kids are screaming. I hear the whisper of the Spirit saying, and Julian, I got a word for the church. Tell them the rhythm of now. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? God is increasing the sensitivity of his sons and daughters to be able to hear from him in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of getting kids ready for school, in the middle. God wants you to be able to hear him in the middle of what you're going through. But you're going to need to be sensitive and lay your senses aside. There are people that were sensitive to the Holy Spirit in the Bible. David was getting ready for war. And 
just like you and I would do. He picked some buff people, some big people with swords. You, about to, you knew somebody was waiting on you outside right now, and you had to pick an army. You would pick maybe the biggest guys. Maybe you'd pick Al and his security team and Paul and all those guys. Shout out to the security, keeping us safe. I know if I had a battle, I'm picking them. Right? Don't pick me. Don't pick me. I'm going to tell you I got somewhere to be. Like, I'm going to pray for you, but don't pick me. Right? Don't pick me. But David picked those types of people too. He picked Al, he picked Paul, he picked all the security guys. But he picked this one group of people that I want you to catch. It says in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, it says that David picked some people, some men from Issachar, woo, who understood the times. Wow. Who understood the times. They had discernment. You know what the times mean? It's not they understood that it was 12, 1, 2, or 3 p.m. They understood the prophetic moment. They understood what God was doing now. He just didn't pick all the people with the weapons. He picked some people who knew what God was doing now. When I knew I was stepping in the higher authority of the church, I talked to my friend Jennifer Perkins, and I said, I need you to come back. I didn't call Jennifer Perkins because she was buff. I didn't call Jennifer Perkins because she would beat up everybody, everything that was coming against me. I didn't call Jennifer Perkins because she was better at having the, the uh, combating the devil than I was. I called Jennifer Perkins because just like the men of Issachar, she knew the times. Woo, I feel the spirit on this. She knew what God was doing now. And sometimes when the enemy's screaming at me and saying, you're not good enough, I need some people who know the times. Who know now. Because I'm so overwhelmed with the future of the church. And I'm so overwhelmed with the past preventing me from getting me to my future. I'm missing what God is doing now. Please get some people around you that are spiritual warriors, great at warfare, but also get some people who discern and tell you that's not what God is doing now. So many of us have locked in to what God is doing. He is doing it, but not now. I'll be honest, I hear from God pretty strong. I'm not trying to brag. I hope this comes across as humble, but when I hear that God is doing something, I'm accurate about 70 to 80% of the time. It's, it's been getting strong. In this last six months or so, it's been about 90%. The timing of what God told me, 1%. Right word, wrong time. So I tell myself, June. And then I say, did I say June 2019? <laughs> See, somebody gives you a word of the Lord, you're going to get married one day, and then you start looking for him or looking for her. I'm going to help you. Anytime somebody gives you a prophetic word, just tell yourself in 10 years. And that way, if he does it in five, you'll rejoice instead of complaining that he was late. Now you can say, you early, God, I'll give you all the praise and all the glory. You need to have some people around you to discern what God is doing now. And here's the crazy thing, that some of you that have been following God your whole life, and, and, and I know you know Jesus, and I know you're a Christian, I know you, see, the problem is, this is what God is doing now, not next. See, if he's doing it next, then all your previous experience and all your previous wisdom and all your previous scripture study and all your previous jobs and all your previous things, everything you've learned to do for 25 years will be applicable if he's doing something next. But if he's doing something new, if he's doing something now, everything you've learned has got to go out the window. And that is the most painful thing. Young and dumb people, this is the greatest season for you because you didn't know nothing anyway. And so now, this is why God has to use people like me who are young and dumb because we didn't know anything anyway. But for the people who knows and you've lived your life with wisdom, he's not doing it next, he's doing it now. And you're gonna have to get rid of some things that you thought you knew that you really don't know because God is not doing the next thing. He's doing a new thing. Somebody shout to God if you believe he's doing a new thing. There's this quote by this 
this one man that says this, in times of change, learners inherit the earth. People who are learning the new thing, while the learned, sticking to what they knew, find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. One Bible student said, I feel like I went to Bible college for eight years to get the answers to the questions nobody's asking. Nothing wrong with Bible college. But what when God's doing something new? Not next. I want to tell you, there's some things that I want to speak over your life that God is doing in this next season, that this now season will be marked by several things. One of them is preparation. It'll be marked by preparation. What God could do with a consecrated, that means prepared, set apart. What God could do with a prepared believer. Oh my goodness, no eye is seen, no ear is heard. What God will do for somebody that's willing to prepare and get ready. See, God doesn't say ready, set, go. Sometimes he just says go. And you have to live your whole life ready, set. So you're ready when God says go. The Bible says that Jesus will show up out of nowhere. You'll be mowing your grass, writing a script. And the Bible says he's coming on a cloud of glory without warning. He's just going to say, now. And you have to live your whole life in ready, set mode so that you're ready when God just says, now. Or when God just says, now. And he whispers. Preparation is going to be a marker of this next season. The other one is going to be acceleration. Whoo, God's about to speed up. Don't write that one down and not write the preparation down, though. Don't write that one down. Don't write that down. Matter of fact, while you're writing down acceleration, write down the name of the person you stopped talking to because they made you mad and go call them. So make sure that that's going to be your gas pedal, forgiveness, restoration, lack of offense. That's how you hit the gas on acceleration. Preparation, acceleration. Second Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise that some understand slowness. God is not a slow God. He's getting ready, he's a moving God. In the beginning, the Holy Spirit hovered over the surface of the waters. That word is translated moving. The Holy Spirit was not still, he was moving back and forth, waiting for the word of the Lord. Right now, the Holy Spirit is hovering over this place right now, waiting for the word of the Lord to come forth so he can move and bring it to pass. Acceleration, miracles are coming, signs and wonders, tumors falling off of people, marriages restored, finances coming, miracles, things that you wouldn't believe, miracles. In the book of Acts, it said Paul did unusual miracles. You know why they said unusual miracles? Because miracles were usual. And I want God to use me to do unusual miracles. Why? Because miracles are usual. People getting up out of wheelchairs every day. Cancer getting healed every day. Spirits of fear leaving every day. Discouragement lifting off believers every day. Every single day a sign and a wonder, a miracle would be usual. Another thing that's going to happen is people hurt by the church or church leaders will return and walk into their original purpose and calling that the church leader blocked them from. I want to tell you this, if you've been hurt by church or a church leader, Luke 22 verses 49 through 51 say this, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen because the Roman soldiers came to show up to arrest Jesus and the, and the disciples wanted to defend Jesus. This is how people get hurt, is that church leaders think they got to defend God against people who are coming against what God wants. It says when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And the Bible says one of them didn't wait for Jesus to answer. And we learn from the, learn from the other gospels that that one was Peter, who Jesus said would be the very first lead pastor, the very first leader of the church. And what did Peter do? And one of them, which we know is Peter, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and he healed them. And I want you to know, Jesus is still healing people church leaders have hurt. Because Peter was the leader of the whole church. 
and he struck off somebody's ear and Jesus healed them. What if God wants to use the very same thing that hurt you to heal you, release you, and bless you? It's time to come back. And later we'd find Peter in the book of Acts, not with a sword to cut off somebody's ear, but the word of the Lord, the sword of the spirit, and he's preaching and he's saying that Jesus was the Messiah whom you crucified. And they said, what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized and you and your descendants will receive the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people were saved from the same person who hurt someone. 3,000 were saved. And the Bible says that next week they formed a community, the people who killed Jesus and the people who loved him all back together again. That's what real community is. People are gonna come home. I want you to stand to your feet. And I wanna share one last verse with you. In the book of First Kings 15, terrible king was put in power. Here began another downfall of God's people, Israel. Terrible king was put in power. Not just maybe the worst time for Israel, one of the worst times in all of humanity. You think the world is bad now? Man, I wish God could sometimes put us back in 1 Kings 15 and you'd be grateful for 2019 if you lived in this time because this king was terrible. Grotesque things. In 1 Kings 16, another king named Ahab um, had a wife named Jezebel and they were even worse and they wanted people to worship this god Baal and people did and, and it was a fertility god and the rain god and, and people were sacrificed sacrificing their firstborn babies in the fire. This was just a grotesque and deplorable time for Israel. First Kings 15, terrible. First Kings 16, terrible. And God was showing me this weekend that some of you feel like you're living in First Kings 15 or First Kings 16, where everything is going wrong. But then you turn the page to 1 Kings 17, and there's just one sentence. Now Elijah, now Elijah. 1 Kings 15, 1 Kings 16, and 1 Kings 17 says, now Elijah, I'm gonna read the verse for you. Can you put it on the screen please? Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve. There have been no recorded record of Elijah up to this point, but it said, whom I serve. So he was serving God in obscurity. No prophecy about him. Nobody knew he was coming. Nobody was saying, Elijah, you're up next. Just out of nowhere. First Kings 15, terrible. First Kings 16, even worse. First Kings 17, now, now, now Elijah. And God wanted me to tell you the same thing is for you. Now, Christina, I know it might have seemed in the last season God wasn't doing anything, but you're getting ready to get your now. Now, Christina, now Elise, now, 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 now. Now, Brian, now Tracy, now Victor, now Brenda, now, now, now. Chris, are you ready? Your nose getting ready to move to now. Now, now, now. Somebody praise God for a now season. Now, Tiffany, now Coco. Now Maria, now JC, come on, are you ready? You better be praising God, Sonia. Your nose is getting ready to shift to your now. You better be praising God. Your nose getting ready to shift to your now, Sarah Galena. JP, are you ready? God's getting ready to move from no, 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 to now Jennifer, now Rachel, now Cheryl, now Sherry, now Jerome, now Brandon, now David, now John, now Malcolm, now Somebody give God a shout of praise because somebody's releasing a now. You hear the word of the Lord, Lily. God is saying now. Somebody give God 45 seconds of the craziest praise. Amy Luna, I hope you're ready because God's getting ready to say now. And I wish there was 200 people that would bring the roof down because they're waiting for a now from heaven. Right here, right now, somebody give God 45 seconds of the crazy.
read you a passage of scripture from Exodus 8. God had brought a plague to Egypt and Pharaoh wanted the plague to go away. It says in Exodus 8, verse 8, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. And in verse 9, it says that Moses said, you set the time, not 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock, or, or 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. You set the prophetic moment. You set the time. You tell me now. And Moses said, tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials and your people then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. They will only remain in the Nile River. And the Bible says in verse 10 that Pharaoh said, do it tomorrow. He didn't have faith for now. He said, do it tomorrow. Moses told him, you set the time. You tell me when you're ready to go. You've been preparing. I'll pray for you right now. And every spirit of fear will break off of you. I'll pray for you right now. You don't have to have sex with men to, be, to feel better. You don't have to find your validation, your sexuality with women. You know what you can do? You set the time. And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. And I've been sitting here to tell you, switch it from tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next month. Not two years from now. God is getting ready ready to do something right now and if he could find a handful of people that could just believe him for now no eye has seen no ear has heard what God will do when you get the expectation in your heart for right now somebody shout now God's getting ready to do something right now I'm telling you I feel it in the spirit I've seen it right now in reality my whole life is God saying no 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 then all of a sudden I wake up in the morning and the spirit of the Lord says now somebody give God praise as we worship as we proclaim that there's more to come with every victory and every battle won there's more to come for me and my family somebody give God praise.